Well, hello everyone and welcome. It's great to be with you all today. Well, we're going to be carrying on our series, Power Lines. This is actually part five and this is the final part of our series. I really hope and pray that you have been impacted by these messages, that it has encouraged you, it's inspired you to know that we serve an all-powerful God but God is also in his grace and his love and his mercy. He has endowed us. He's empowered us to make a difference. His spirit working in us and through us to bring about amazing results in the world. Well, today's message uh, is called Active Faith. And we're going to be looking at this subject of faith and how that faith is uh, really powerful when we when we put it into practice, when we put it to work. You know, the author in James says that faith without works is dead. It, it doesn't achieve anything. But when we have true faith, things begin to happen and even miracles can occur. So this is Power Lines Part 5 and it's all going to be about active Faith. Well, we're going to be looking at our main portion of Scripture today from Matthew chapter 9. And I encourage you to go and read that, study that, memorize it, meditate on it. Just allow it to really soak and absorb into your spirit. There's so many gems um, of wisdom um, that are there that I believe God will speak to you through. But we're going to look at two accounts. Um, first account uh, we're going to look at is... Um, from verse 1 to 8 and this is going to be about um, the paralyzed man who could not walk who has this power encounter with Jesus it's an amazing testimony here and this guy's life is radically transformed so let's have a look I'm going to be using the new King James version um, as we read so he got into the boat this is talking about Jesus here and he crossed over. I've underlined that bit um, in my King James Bible um, because we are, I believe, in a crossing over season. We're in an era where, where we're not, we cannot stay where we were before, but we're moving forward. And here Jesus got into the boat, he crossed over and he came to his own city. Verse 2, then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed and when Jesus saw their faith that's another bit you can underline you can highlight when Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son be of good cheer your sins are forgiven you and I just want to push pause there and just recognize some of the language that's being used there because often we can read scripture and we can skim on and we can miss stuff but here we see the incredible power of the inclusive language of a loving father Jesus calls this paralyzed man son and I want you to know whoever you are watching this broadcast you need to know that you're Heavenly Father loves you so much. Jesus loves you. And today he says, son. He says, daughter. And then he says, and I'm pretty sure this paralyzed man would have been pretty down in the dumps. But here Jesus says, be of good cheer. How could he say that when this guy was paralyzed? He was in a difficult situation. 
It's because Jesus knew that that things weren't going to stay the same, that breakthrough was coming. And then he said, your sins are forgiven you. And we need to know that whatever sins we might have committed, how, however bad that they might have been, there's no sin that is too big or strong for the powerful blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus can forgive the worst of sins. And here he says, your sins are forgiven you. Verse 3. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. Verse four, but Jesus knowing, he, he knew their thoughts. And he said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For what's easier to say, your, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of God has power. There's a good key word that we can underline as we're looking at power lines. Uh, the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And I, I want just to interject here. Because I think there's something really powerful about these words that Jesus spoke here. And I want to speak to the very core of your being. And I want to declare this over you. And I want to say, arise. Take up your bed. Go to your house. In other words, arise. Walk in your destiny. There are greater adventures ahead for you. It is not over. Verse 7. And he arose and he departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and they glorified God who had given such power to men. God is powerful, but he's also delegated some power and authority to us as believers as well. But how are we using, how are we stewarding that power, those unlimited power lines that are coming from heaven to the earth? first point that I want to make today is this. Sometimes people need to be brought to Jesus for their breakthrough. Sometimes people need to be brought to Jesus for their breakthrough. Sometimes people are paralyzed. You know, they, they, they might not be paralyzed physically, but maybe they're, you know, stuck in fear. They're stuck in uncertainty and, and, and worries and, and, and busyness and the distractions of the world. Sometimes people are in that stationary position. But we can bring people to Jesus and we can see God do amazing things. Now, if we look at this passage, we actually find there's a parallel. We look in Mark chapter 2, you'll find this story again um, from a slightly different angle. And we get to find out, we get to zoom in and find out a little bit more about this scene and, and, and what's going on here in this scenario. So there were actually four friends. Uh, and when they arrived, where Jesus was ministering, the venue uh, was completely full. So it appeared in the natural, like there's no way that, that, that we're going to be able to get in. Even the doorway was like filled. And it would have been very easy for them, you know, put, put, put yourself in that scene. Uh, it would have been very easy for them to 
to be discouraged, uh, for them to make their excuses, to say, oh, well, you know, this has happened, like, there's no room. Hey, why don't we just go back and, you know, put up our feet and watch Netflix or, or, or whatever the equivalent was during their day. You know, they could have just settled in for a comfortable night in. But thank God these friends weren't like that. They were not going to accept no for an answer. They knew that where there's a will, there's a way. And they were determined to get their friend to Jesus because they knew, they knew that if they could get their friend to Jesus, one touch from the king would change everything. And what they did is they they actually, rather than just giving up, they persevered, they thought outside of the box and they went up on top of the roof and they began to pick tiles apart before lowering their friend down towards the feet of Jesus. Absolutely amazing. I want to ask you a question to to reflect on in your own life. How do you respond when you face barriers, setbacks, challenges in life? Are you quick to walk away full of excuses and, and or perhaps be discouraged? Or do you actually allow these these this adversity, these struggles, these difficulties to simp- to actually fuel your determination, your tenacity, your perseverance that you're that you're going to find a way. You're not going to be beat. In this case, it's really interesting, and this is a good point that's worth writing down. In this case, the friends didn't wait for a breakthrough, but they actually created a breakthrough. They found their open door from a different perspective. And I believe that right now, you know, some of you in situations where you're saying like, I can't get in, you know, it's too busy, there's no way. And I just hear the Spirit of God saying, look from a different angle. Look from a different perspective. And don't don't wait for a breakthrough but make a breakthrough. That's literally what these guys did. They they went up to the roof. They, in a sense, had that Colossians 3, 2 heavenly perspective. And they began to dig. They began to pull those tiles off. They lifted off the limitations. And I believe that God wants to lift off our limitations. He wants us to think outside the box. And and for some of us, you know, we've been having those kind of that glass ceiling in our life. And I pray right now that God will lift off every limitation of your life, that that you will know that with God there are no limits. I think we all need to have uh, great friends um, like this, uh, like these friends here in the story. I mean, what what a blessing to have such amazing um, friends who, uh, who who were just committed to seeing their um, friend get get a miracle, get a breakthrough. And but do you know this? Do you know do you know what is the best way to get great friends? You know what the best way to get great friends are? It's to be a great friend. And I think so many times we do it the other way. We're waiting for Mr. or Mrs. Great to come into our life and be a great friend to us. But we don't want to put in the work to be a great friend to someone else. So I want to encourage you because I believe that's going to be a game changer for many of you as you start to 
be a great friend. Um, you're actually gonna see that, you know, there are some really great friends, some great people around you. Their friends didn't give up on their, their friend, the paralyzed man, but they were determined to get him to Jesus. They persevered in faith. And I believe that as Christians, we should be the most determined, tenacious, persevering, outside of the box thinkers that there are, because we've got the mind of Christ. We've got the ultimate advantage with the Holy Spirit, the helper, the teacher, the guide. You know, often the only barriers that exist in our life are actually the, the barriers that we've created in our mind. I love what Henry Ford said. He said, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. In Proverbs, the book of wisdom, it says this in, in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, your thoughts, your perspective, the way that you frame things, the way that you interpret things, your beliefs are way more powerful than we realise. They can help us or they can hinder us. And the good news is that we have a choice of how we choose to look at our circumstance. Here in the story, these amazing four friends, they bring the paralysed man um, to Jesus on a map. And I want to ask you the question today, who are you going to bring to Jesus? Who are you going to bring to Jesus? I mean, who do you know that, that isn't uh, walking with Jesus that you could reach out to? And I don't believe it's just going to be one person. I believe that it's going to be multiple people. But sometimes it starts off by, by having a, 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 an easy, small, realistic, achievable goal. Who are you going to bring to Jesus? Now, it may well be that this is about maybe inviting someone to the service, maybe inviting them to church online or, or maybe in person, if you're able to do that. And, and I want to give you a, a little bit of a word of advice. If you are inviting someone to an in-person service, it's really helpful to meet them beforehand or at least to offer that so that they're not walking into a building on their own, but they've got that, that comfort. You might even want to say, hey, I'll come and pick you up. If it's church online, you're inviting people. Obviously, it's good to be watching the same service. And it's helpful to send them the direct link that they're not hunting through a website to locate it. But you send that link and say, hey, I'd love to invite you to join me at church online today. Here's a link. You know, why not join me there? We've got some really great opportunities coming up for reaching out, bringing people to Jesus. We've got the Gateway Conference kicking off on Friday the 8th of October with the theme of the conference being Royal Assignment. And we are on a Royal Assignment, aren't we? Um, but we've got that Friday evening is going to be free in person and online. Uh, Saturday will be ticketed. Uh, then we've got Sunday, obviously Sunday, 10.30 in the morning as well. It's a great opportunity. Now on the opening night, we've got evangelist and comedian, Scottish comedian Mark Ritchie, who's hilarious, who's going to be doing the opening night and he'll also be speaking Sunday morning. So it's a great opportunity to invite people along, to connect with people, to engage people, to bring people to Jesus. We've got the Alpha course starting in person and online Wednesday the 13th of October in the evening. That's another great opportunity. Alternatively, you know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to wait for a meeting or a conference or, you know, a service. 
But let's and, and let's not put all our eggs in in one basket. But let, you know, spread them out. Recognize that we've got like all of the hours in the week. Alternatively, you might want to invite them to have some table time, like we did that series recently, didn't we? Come to the table. So you could invite them out for a coffee or a meal. You know, there's other other uh, opportunities, other days, other places that you can take people. And remember that church is not the building. Church is the people. And in Matthew 18, 20, it says where two or three are gathered, Jesus said, he said, where two or three are gathered in my name. So not just kind of with, you know, in someone else's name or doing other things. No, in his name, it says I'm there in the midst of that. And in this new era, I think we need to get this paradigm shift. We need to embrace this new way of thinking that it's everyday church for everyday people. We can invite people to come to our table, whether it's in our home, in a coffee shop, or a building like this. And, and remember that when you invite someone, like the worst that they'll say is no. And, and what have you lost if someone says no? At least you've given the opportunity to them to choose for themselves. And I think that as we give people opportunity, I think we'll be really surprised. There was a survey that was done, like if you know someone was invited to church, like how many people would respond like they've not been to church before. And I think it was something like 70, you know, 80% of people said they would actually come along. And I think in this time, people are way more open. They're seeking, they're searching, they're looking for hope, they're looking for certainty. And we know that Jesus is the answer. Bringing people to Jesus is a really important part of our mandate and calling as believers. It's part of our mission. Remember, it's part of our mission that we have as a church. Love God, reach out, make disciples. Maybe the people that you're going to be reaching out to are you know, struggling with relationship difficulties. Maybe there's confusion. Maybe there's uncertainty. There's there's. Areas of their life that are paralyzed, that they feel lost in, that they feel frustrated about. And maybe there might be some people in your life that say, hey, my life's really good. I don't really need God. I don't really need church. But we know that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, that we can live life to the full only when we come to accept the one that we were created by and for. There's no greater fulfillment, peace and joy than what we get from a relationship with Jesus. Here in the story, I want to point out that it was the active faith of the paralyzed man's friends that opened the door for this amazing miracle. So sometimes it's not always about our faith. Sometimes it's about the faith of those that we have in our circle, in our lives. That's why the power of association is so important. And here in this passage, it says in verse two, Jesus saw their faith. It's like he recognized it, he identified, he, he, he acknowledged that there was a power line that was flowing from heaven to earth. And I believe that there's many people in our city and region around the world that are simply waiting for someone to bring them to Jesus, to reach out to them. They're waiting for an invitation. They're waiting for someone to care enough to reach out. Now, I want to just do a little, you know, task here and I want to encourage you maybe get a pen or paper or, you know, get one of your electronic device out, something that you can type some notes on. 
Um, and, and I want you just to right now just pray, ask God, God, who could I invite to the Gateway Conference to launch on the Friday night? Who, who could I invite maybe to the Alpha course? And just, I believe it, as you ask God, he's going to begin to reveal people. He's going to show you people. And I encourage you, be courageous. Don't worry about people rejecting. Don't worry about people saying no. Because I believe that, that many people will say yes. And even for those that don't, it's communicating that you love. It's communicating that you care. We cannot control whether people say yes or no. But we can control giving people that opportunity. And I'm going to pray right now, just as you write them down, and you know it's a task that you can carry on with. But I want to encourage you, you know, be, uh, let's be praying for them, but also don't procrastinate. Take action. Maybe send them the link for the Gateway Conference. Send them a text. Send them a Facebook message, or however you're going to reach out to them. Let them know you'd love to see them come along. Let's pray, Father. We pray right now for the people, Lord, that are watching this broadcast. And I pray, speak to them about those that you are prompting them to bring to Jesus, those you are prompting them to reach out to. However they're going to do that, Lord, I pray for salvation to spring up from the ground. We pray for prodigals to come home. We pray for lives to be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at uh, another account here in Matthew um, where there's a woman who experiences amazing healing. We'll go from verse 20 to 22. It says this, Suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. Wow, that's amazing faith. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Again, we're seeing inclusive language there. Be of good cheer, daughter. And then he says, and you might want to underline this next, but he said, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Now, if we look in Luke uh, chapter 8, verse 43 to 48, we can find a little bit more detail. And we actually find that this woman who'd had this long-standing issue had spent all of her savings and her money and her wealth on chasing doctors, physicians to find a cure, but to no avail. So she must have really felt like at her wit's end. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Have you ever been in a situation where you perhaps cut yourself maybe quite bad and there's been a lot of bleeding? And, and maybe it's not, you know, it's kept bleeding and you perhaps even felt a bit faint or, you know, uh, you know, a bit worried, concerned about that. Well, imagine being bleeding for 12 years. That's a long time to bleed. Losing lots of blood would have inevitably meant that she would have felt weak and tired she would have likely uh, had to put her social life on hold. You know, and that sort of stuff can affect our mental health. Um, it's unlikely, it's probably likely that she would have felt very embarrassed in social situations. So she would have isolated herself. She would have, um, you know, unlikely that she had a job because of her serious medical situation. Um, which would have affected her ability to put food on the table and so many other kind of things here that, that would have gone against her. Must have felt like her whole, whole world had been turned upside down and her whole life had been put on hold. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you were struggling to move forward? 
We looked at it with a paralyzed man. And here we see it with this woman as well. Have you ever felt like that, you know, it didn't matter what you did, but you just couldn't get breakthrough that you crave for? Have you felt isolated, restricted, maybe even rejected or uncertain about the future? I know there's been many times in my life that I have. This is where the lady was at as we enter the story. But how many of you know desperate people will do desperate things? And this lady was desperate. I want to ask you a question. How desperate are you for God? I believe that the church of Jesus Christ needs to be way more desperate for God than we are. David, the psalmist in Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2, he says, As the deer pants for water brooks, so my soul for you, O God, it pants. My soul first for you, God, for the living God. What David's, what's David saying here? Well, deers and humans, we cannot survive without water. In other words, David was saying, I can't survive without you, God. I long for more of you. I need more of you. I'm desperate for you. And this is a powerful prayer. This is a powerful uh, thing that we can say. We used to sing a song in church. I think it was called, This is the Air I Breathe. And, you know, in the chorus, it said, I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. In Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he said this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So there's something about when we're thirsty and we're hungry for God that attracts his attention, that causes us to be more filled. There's something amazing that happens when we get desperate for more of God. And I pray that God will increase your desperation for him. When she felt like she was struggling to move forward in her situation, she moved forward in active faith towards Jesus. And in that moment, everything began to change. Now, people with her condition would have been considered to be very unclean. They weren't really allowed in crowds because they could defile other people. But this woman had a choice. Do I aim to please the people or press in and reach out to the saviour? No doubt, as she began to press through the crowd, she would have been ridiculed, you know, mocked, laughed at, chastised. But she didn't care about that because she was more interested in getting to Jesus. She was more interested. She was desperate. She, she wanted to please Jesus. She wasn't seeking the approval of the crowd. Desperate people will always do desperate things. And the other point I want to make here is that her faith was active. It wasn't passive. She didn't stay back and just, you know, sit there in a circle, you know, humming and mm. she wasn't just like meditating, I believe, and just thinking good, positive thoughts. But her faith was active. She pressed through the crowd. She took persistent action. Have you ever been in a, a big crowd and you know, maybe you had to make your way through the crowd. Maybe it was a sporting event. Maybe it was, you know, going to watch a band or an artist play. And it's often very challenging, isn't it, when you're in a big crowd and trying to get through. And, it, it, you know, there can be a lot of pushing and shoving and cajoling and a lot of stationary moments. It requires a lot of patience and, and grace as well at times. In verse 21, 
this passage, it says this, that the woman said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. She, she was speaking to herself. And I want to say this. This is a good bit of wisdom for all of us. What, what you say to yourself, it matters. What, what we say to ourselves, it really, really does matter. Now you might say, oh, I don't talk to myself. Everyone talks to themselves. Maybe some more than others, but we all do talk to ourselves. Don't underestimate the power of your inner self-talk. Don't, don't overlook the influence of those internal conversations that go on in all of our heads. What are you saying to yourself? Is it helping you or is it hindering you? And the woman, she's like, if I can just touch Jesus, everything's going to be okay. That was her thought. That was her, her train track. That was the, 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 the stance that she was taking. That was what she was meditating on. That was the belief, the conviction in her heart. And then she showed active faith by acting on those thoughts, acting on what she was saying to herself. And she pressed through the crowd and she grabbed the hem of Jesus's garment. Now, to do that, she would have had to have been on her hands and knees. Posture of humility, posture of worship. Something happens when we get humble before the Lord and we worship on our hands, on our knees. You know, stooping low in humility. We looked at that last week as humility being one of the power lines that connects us with the power of God. And I think that as Christians, we need to be more demonstrative in worship and in, in our adoration and the way that we honour God. Yes, it's good to sing. Yes, it's good to pray. Yes, it's good to clap our hands. But I think as well, incorporating all of our body and worshipping God with every part of our being, I think we do need to kneel down in worship more. We should lay on our face more. We should you know, dance. And There's so many different creative, expressive ways that we can honour God with every part of our being. Now, I want to make a point here. Jewish rabbis, Jewish you know, leaders, teachers, they would have on the hem of their garments like a, a fringe or, or special tassels. And, and these would represent identity. And they would also represent and be a reminder for following God's commands, God's instructions. So when the woman was actually reaching out, it was like she was basically saying to Jesus, I want to identify with you, Jesus. I want to follow your ways. And I'm pretty sure that there was also an element in there of, I need your help. Please don't pass me by. And as she reached out and she grabbed the hem of Jesus's garment, it was like a surge of power flowed out from Jesus into the desperate woman like a bolt of lightning. In Luke 8, um, verse 46, Jesus actually acknowledges that someone had touched him and he felt power leave him. He felt power flow out from him. And Jesus was like, who touched me? And, and the disciples were like, Jesus, like, there's loads of people here pressing against you, touching you. He was like, no, 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 but this touch was different. See, that's what happens when we have faith, when we have active faith. It draws, it, it pulls on the power uh, of God. And then Jesus replied, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well.
Her active faith was her power line to pull down that miraculous power of God. And we have that same power available to us. It's an amazing thing. Your faith. He then tells her your faith has made you well. God's calling us to be a people of active faith, not passive and not just to have faith and exercise faith on a Sunday or at a special event or conference, but every day. The Apostle Paul actually said, Romans 1.17, the just, who's the just? That's anyone who's been justified by Christ. That's Christians, that's those who've given, put their faith and trust in Jesus. We're the just. It says the just shall live by faith. So this is not just about occasionally. This is about a lifestyle, choosing to live a life of active faith. And I believe that as we live this lifestyle of active faith, that we're going to see this power, power line that connects us, that's going to bring miracles not only in our own lives, but also in the lives of others. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to say thank you. Thank you that you are a God who transforms lives. Thank you that you Call us sons and daughters. You love us so much and you include us. We thank you that all things are possible for you, God. So we just pray, Lord, that there will be a great awakening in our lives, that those of us that may feel paralysed, that we will wake up and be all that you've called us to be. Help us to walk in that power of heaven on earth. And help us to be great friends to those around us. Help us to take our mission and our mandate seriously that we're here to, to bring people to Jesus. Lord, anoint our thinking, Lord. Help us to think outside the box. And may we be determined people that we will press, that we'll be hungry and desperate for more of you. That we will not allow the crowds to hold us back from an encounter with you. May we press forward in active faith and tenacity knowing that, Lord God, that one touch from you, one touch from the King can change everything. We pray this in the powerful and precious name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you all. Enjoy the rest of your day.